Hi there, this is Carrie Gann. Before we start today's episode, I need to let you know about a change we're very excited to announce. HealthNow has a new name, Health Discovered. Since we began this podcast in 2018, we've been dedicated to taking on important topics and discussing what they mean for your health. But now, you can look for something a little different in each episode. We've got some great shows lined up, and I can't wait for you to hear them. As always, we'll continue to bring you fascinating stories and unique perspectives. But now, we'll look for unexpected discoveries along the way, while exploring thought-provoking ideas and questions, like this one. Does your menstrual cycle hold the key to what's going on in the rest of your body? If women knew the outrageously beautiful, complex things going on in their body every single month, that they would be astounded. I mean, the pl- the number of players that it takes to get a menstrual cycle regular and, and going, it's, it's not just the brain, the ovaries, the uterus. Well, I think the menstrual cycle is the most complicated aspect of human physiology. Communication between the brain and there's a part of the brain that is kind of using unique forms of cellular communication that combine neural inputs. It is so many cells. It is hundreds and thousands of hormones and biosignaling markers. It is so many things that have to go right to get your cycle every month. It's phenomenal. Menstrual cycle is an important part of women's health, of women's reproductive health. It can be an indicator of how well someone is doing or if there are any issues that one needs to think about. I think the menstrual cycle tells you a lot about what that woman is undergoing. When you're regular all the time, and then all of a sudden, you become irregular in your cycles or your periods become heavy or painful, that's a, that's, you should not be ignoring that. The menstrual cycle is a bit of a canary in the coal mine. But if understanding the menstrual cycle is so important, why is there so little research on it? And why was so little data collected on the impact of COVID-19 and the COVID vaccine on the cycles of people who menstruate? This is an area where I feel pretty strongly about in the sense that I feel like a lot of women's health issues tend to be understudied. And this is an example of one of them where uh, we weren't asking questions at the onset about, you know, how this might have affected your menstrual cycle. And what then happened was that people who menstruate were having breakthrough bleeding. They were having very long periods, unusually long uh, menstrual cycles. Um, You had individuals who were nearing menopause who perhaps hadn't had a period in a very long time were experiencing breakthrough bleeding. And for the most part, these are not immediate life-threatening health concerns. But to the individual, they are very jarring and can be very kind of just unexpected. And that unexpected change without having somebody to tell you ahead of time, when you get this vaccine, you may experience these potential side effects. That's Dr. Nicole Waitovich, a research assistant professor in the Department of Medical Social Sciences at Northwestern University's Feinberg School of Medicine. She and her colleagues recently published their findings on the impact of pandemic stress on the menstrual cycle. But she admits there were limitations, including the number of participants as well as participant diversity. I think if I had the chance to kind of do this study over, I would love to partner with some of the the wearable technologies that are capturing this data, either through your iPhone, the various apps, your Fitbit, because they do collect that information. 
And for the millions of women and people who menstruate who track their cycles using any number of apps on their iPhone, the ability to participate in important research is right at their fingertips. I've got my phone here. Okay. Please go to the App Store. Okay, so I am at the App Store. And search for Apple Research. Research. Okay. Download the app. And once you double-click the app, it will take you to our enrollment experience. Okay, so I see about studies, research and privacy, research app notifications, get started. Okay, so I'm in here. So it looks like there's a lot of studies. There's three studies right now, heart and movement, hearing study, and then the Apple Women's Health study. Dr. Shruti Mahalingaya is walking our producer, Kat Carney, through the steps of joining what is being called a landmark study of women's menstrual cycles. Over the next 10 years, their goal is to enroll 500,000 women, as well as people who have ever menstruated at least once in their lifetime. The Apple Women's Health Study is a digital study of uh, menstrual cycles as well as reproductive health across the lifespan. It is a study that is enabled by digital platforms such as having an iPhone and um, downloading the research app. It is inclusive of people who menstruate regardless of self-identified gender or sex. One of the innovative features is that we can also invite participants to share their physiological data, such as anything they track for health, exercise, wellness, and diet, um, including heart rate and um, steps walked. Dr. Mahalingaya is an assistant professor of environmental, reproductive, and women's health at the Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health, as well as a practicing reproductive endocrinology and infertility specialist at the Massachusetts General Hospital, focusing on ovulation disorders and infertility. She's also the co-principal investigator of the Apple Women's Health Study. It's the first large-scale research project on the menstrual cycle since the Truman Program, which started in 1934 and continued for decades. The Truman study was a phenomenal first look at menstrual cycles over time. It was started by Alan Triolar in the Midwest and a, um, our collaborators at the National Institutes for Environmental Health. Alan Wilcox was participating in, as a scientist on that study as well. The Truman study was a landmark study for understanding human physiology of the menstrual cycle in a longitudinal fashion, which is why I think that study was so fantastic. That study is a key study that Every reproductive endocrinologist has to kind of memorize for their oral boards and put patient experience in context. But back in 1934, Americans were still gathering around the radio for entertainment. In fact, by 1946, only around 6,000 homes even had televisions, much less iPhones. So how did researchers in the Truman study collect their data? That study sent postcards to women to collect their menstrual cycles so that all their cycles were collected for the year on a postcard. And that postcard was sent in and kind of collated over time. Um, I believe it's over 40 years of ongoing kind of participation 
But like many research studies, the Trayman study had its limitations. It was rolled out in the Midwest, and one of the um, limitations is a very homogenous population. We still learned a lot about the physiology. All of the women, I believe, were recruited from a college town, attended college, so kind of limited sociodemographic characteristics. I think the Apple Women's Health Study picks up the torch in terms of allowing for inclusivity in participation. You know, the Inclusion criteria is owning an iPhone 6S or higher. So there is kind of some restriction, but outside of that, we are seeing a diverse recruited population in backgrounds, race, ethnicity, education status. And so that is exciting to me to see what are shared experiences and what are at-risk subpopulations that we need to learn more about. Apple and the team at Harvard launched their study of these shared experiences in November of 2019, just weeks before the first cluster of cases of what would become the largest shared experience in modern history were reported to the World Health Organization on December 31st, 2019, the COVID-19 pandemic. I know it only is around 19 months, but it does seem like we've been living in a lot through a lifetime with this pandemic. Feels like a lifetime. <laughs> it does. And it's been so disruptive to our lives from every aspect, from how we go to work, to how we shop, to how we interact with friends and families. But those aren't the only things the pandemic disrupted. All around the world, women and people who menstruate were reporting disruptions in their menstrual cycles. Women certainly have borne the brunt of it because not only are they trying to do their jobs, but they're also the caretakers of the family. And it's been extraordinarily stressful. What we have seen is that during the pandemic, women have been mentioning that their menstrual cycles seem off. And as we talked about, stress can play a significant role. Dr. Sarah Lynn Mark is the lead on COVID-19 for the American Medical Women's Association and the former senior medical advisor for the White House, HHS, and NASA. The body is an incredible machine from an evolutionary standpoint. It's really designed for a sense of wellness. And during the reproductive years, it's really designed to provide fertility. What we see is if you are stressed, and whether it be through illness or you're fighting a battle or you're having to do something that is extremely stressful for you, the body senses that it may not be the right time for you to have a baby. So it sounds like we're talking about not only physical stress from an illness or a health condition, but also mental stress, emotional stress. Absolutely. Absolutely. Women have stated that when they're going through times of stress, even good stress, such as planning a wedding a happy event can alter one's cycles. And this is why when we talk about the menstrual cycle as being a vital sign, it really is an indicator to us how well you're in balance. Vital signs like heart rate, blood pressure, breathing rate, and body temperature are measures of your body's basic functions. They give doctors clues about what's going on with your health. And Dr. Wojtovich agrees with the concept of the menstrual cycle as the fifth vital sign. I often think that it's kind of taken for granted in, in terms of having an irregular menstrual cycle, particularly one that's kind of shifted or changed by stress, is not an immediate health concern. However, it is a really good barometer of other things related to our health because I think we tend to forget that our menstrual cycle is a product of our neuroendocrine health and connection between 
the brain and our ovaries and our overall body and our, our stress levels, our hormone levels, etc. So when something uh, with our menstrual cycle becomes kind of out of whack, to use a very colloquial term, I think it, it prompts us to kind of think about, well, what's going on here? Early in the pandemic, women started noticing changes to their cycles. What were they reporting? What were and where were these reports coming from? So in the beginning of the pandemic, we were beginning to hear reports of women and people who menstruate having altered menstrual cycles. Either they were late, they were early, they experienced heavier or lighter bleeding than they normally would. And most of these were coming from social media. Um, although some articles did begin to creep up in the popular press where some folks had perhaps interviewed somebody who experienced this. And that's kind of the first wave of when we started hearing about, about menstrual cycles in relation to the COVID-19 pandemic. Do you often have to ask your friends about their cycles? <laughs> when you work um, in reproductive health, either people tell you about their, about their you know, menstrual cycles or it, it ends up coming up in conversation in very interesting ways. So many women you know, take their period for granted. It's just something that comes along every month. But the menstrual cycle is actually a really complex and elegant process when it works as it should. So can you describe what happens in the body over the course of a single, quote, normal cycle? I really love the fact that you call it elegant because that's exactly what it is. It's a really complicated kind of orchestration. I like to think of it as an orchestra with several different players. So we think of it as three main players. Well, let's say four main players, the hypothalamus, the pituitary and the gonads. I am Dr. Candace Tingen. I'm a program official at the Gynecologic Health and Disease Branch at the Eunice Kennedy Shriver National Institute of Child Health and Human Development, which is one of the institutes of the National Institutes of Health. The menstrual cycle is so complex, it is so well orchestrated that if the conductor is a little off, then sometimes the orchestra is not playing the way it should, right? And there are lots of things that can kind of throw the conductor off. And so we know that the menstrual cycle responds to stress, changes in, in extreme stress. It responds to changes in diet. It responds to changes in sleep. I think it's a brilliant metaphor. I really like that. Everything has to line up perfectly and you synchronize and you synergize. And when everything is working well, your menstrual cycles flow quite well, forgive the pun. Um, and again, it goes back to that whole concept of it being a vital sign, a window into how well your body's doing. And Dr. Jane Frederick, co-medical director of HRC Fertility in Newport Beach, California, agrees. I think the menstrual cycle tells you a lot about what that woman is undergoing. Yes. Uh, when you're regular all the time, and then all of a sudden, you become irregular in your cycles or your periods become heavy or painful. Yes, uh, that's a, that's, you should not be ignoring that. So it's good to know what your norm is so that you can compare it when it's not normal. Did any of your patients talk to you about how the, the stress was impacting them physically during this time? All of them had impacts. Yeah, sleep doc, many patients were gaining weight. Some of them were losing weight. Uh, I'm unable to, they weren't exercising like they normally would. Relationships were, were troubled a lot of times in the marriage. The job wasn't going well. People were getting laid off. A lot of my patients, we had to stop treatment just because they had no more insurance to come and, and get treated uh, or the job was on hold. So 
I would say COVID impacted rent levels tremendously in my population. Did any of your colleagues say that they were hearing that from their patients at all? The patients with anxiety, yes. Mm. Very common. So it, it seems appropriate. If you're anxious about what's happening in the world out there, especially in the very beginning when we had no idea how this was transmitted and we were washing our mail and, you know, using gloves at the grocery store, things that we just didn't know, a lot of anxiety. Anxiety can definitely affect your hormones and cause your cycles to go haywire. But this wasn't just one or two women with cycles going haywire. The reports were coming in from everywhere around the world. It's really important to consider menstrual cycle health um, when we think about our overall picture of health. And although, you know, this may not be on people's radar as something to be concerned about, this is particularly relevant for people to, to be aware of their menstrual cycle, to keep track of this as it pertains to their overall health and well-being. And the more information we, we have, um, we can provide that um, and kind of let people know what to expect, affirm their experiences so that they're not just speaking into the void of social media and saying, does anybody hear me? Is anybody else experiencing this? At what point did you and your colleagues think, hmm, this is something we need to look into? I noticed it because of my own personal experiences. I have a very regular menstrual cycle. And in April of 2020, my period was late. I was very confused considering that it's like clockwork. And then I began to do the mental math thinking that, well, we've really just been through a transition on quite a global level of how we function in our day-to-day lives, particularly in the United States at that time. And the stress and the anxiety and the fear surrounding and uncertainty, I should say, surrounding this, the COVID-19 pandemic may have something to do with it. And so that's when I started asking uh, colleagues, friends, students, people I interacted with, um, if they had noticed the same thing. And I, I thought to myself, we need to be collecting data on this. This is something that I think uh, is often understudied. And I and I really thought that, you know, we really should kind of capitalize on this and, and start thinking about this from the beginning. One way or another, you're going to learn about the, the menstrual cycle of everyone you meet, I'm sure. <laughs> so you have authored a study at this point documenting the effects of stress during the pandemic with menstrual cycle changes. So describe the findings for us. What we did in this study is we surveyed over 200 individuals who menstruate and asked them about their experiences both prior to the pandemic, what their typical cycle looked like versus what happened after March 2020. And uh, this is a group of, of people who live in the U.S., so time specific to when this kind of occurred in the United States. And the survey went out um, in June of 2020, so not, not far after the, the onset of the pandemic. And what we found was that over half of the survey respondents indicated that they had experienced some sort of change in their menstrual cycle or premenstrual symptoms. And what was more interesting is that we actually, knowing that stress plays such a huge role um, in our reproductive health and, and really our health in general, we wanted to ask people about their stress levels. It's been well established for many years that stress does play a big role in our menstrual cycles and that stress can cause 
interruptions or changes to our menstrual cycles. So we asked the survey respondents to kind of rate how they perceive their stress levels. And we found that those who had very high levels of stress following the start of the pandemic experienced more severe changes to their menstrual cycle in the sense that they experienced heavier bleeding or other things that were not occurring with those who did not have the higher levels of stress. Tell me about the types of changes that these folks were reporting. You mentioned heavier bleeding. Were there other changes that were common? Yes. So nearly, you know, more than half of all of the respondents, regardless of their stress level, indicated that their menstrual cycle was, their, their period length was either lengthened or shortened, or their period was late. And in, in this instance, they had changes in their bleeding patterns. And, and those who had the higher levels of stress had more um, heavier bleeding, which is actually something that we've seen um, in prior research that has looked at the effects of, of stress and anxiety and depression on, on menstrual cycles. Were you surprised by the results that you saw? I have to say I, I wasn't surprised. I mean, knowing how life-altering you know, 2020 was for many individuals. I'm not surprised by these results. And what's quite interesting about this, these results uh, mirror studies that looked at um, women who had experienced war, defection, famine. Those women experienced changes in their menstrual cycles as a result of those acute life stressors, as they're called. It's safe to say there have been plenty of life stressors since the onset of the pandemic. So when the pandemic first began um, in the United States, in March 2020, we had a series of, depending on where you lived, a series of lockdowns where essentially people were told to stay home. They, uh, schools were closed. You, ha- you had limited access to childcare. In cases, your jobs were no longer open um, for those who worked in the service industries. And on the flip side, Healthcare workers um, and other essential workers were being told to come into work regardless of the pandemic in very uncertain circumstances with sometimes little to no uh, personal protective equipment, um, which was another added stressor. And as Dr. Mark points out, when the body is stressed, the menstrual cycle oftentimes responds. So what ends up happening is that the brain decreases the signals to the ovaries and the ovaries don't mature the egg and release the egg. All of this can also impact the development of uterine lining. You need to have the uterus primed to accept an egg and to have it uh, implant. So it's a complex interplay. The body can sense when you're stressed. And when you're stressed, what happens is it begins to redirect its functions to help you handle that stress. So for example, if you're fighting an infection, the immune system is activated. Infections like COVID-19. This is very important as COVID can impact every single system in the body, including the reproductive system. We also have seen what we call long COVID or post-acute COVID syndrome, where there can be menstrual changes as well. And that's due to the underlying virus, due to the underlying infection. How do we know if these changes are the result of stress from the pandemic? Is it because, are they due to people who've gotten COVID and have seen effects because of that or, or, you know, separating that that out from the effects of the vaccines? Like, how can you tease apart what's actually going on there? And that's such an important question because you want to understand cause and effect, not just assume. So, for example, the National Institutes of Health, the NIH, is conducting a study at five academic centers 
The cost of the study is well over $1.6 million. And they're going to enroll many women, and they're going to actually ask those questions that you just asked. Not only will the NIH be asking questions, Dr. Tengen stresses that researchers also hope to answer questions surrounding vaccine hesitancy and period disruptions. When we saw that it was becoming a rationale for people not to get the vaccine, when the fear of the unknown and the fear of, oh, I heard from so-and-so that it changed their cycle and I don't want to get it because I don't, you know, I think that's when NIH sees its purview and its mandate to to fill in the gaps of knowledge, right? We are a research institution. Our job is to provide research that informs uh, public health and, and, you know, helps public health. So I think if we can use our research to show one way or the other and to give women the information they need to go, when they go into the vaccination site, they will know this is X likely to, per, to, to change my menstrual cycle or unlikely to change my menstrual cycle. Were there any issues noticed or reported during the clinical trials of these COVID vaccines? So the problem with the clinical trials in the in the pharmaceutical clinical trials is that they did not request this information. So there was no specific information gathering on the menstrual cycle. And then you also had kind of open reporting where participants were asked to report on any changes they noticed. And 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 I don't have strong data on this, but just I, I think that participants are much more likely to report headaches and stomach aches as, as vaccine side effects than they might be to report menstrual changes. But why would that be? Women are not really conditioned to think of their menstrual cycle as reflective of overall health, right? So, so I don't think that I, I could very much see where they would be less likely to report menstrual changes as a side effect of the vaccine. So they really weren't collecting great data on that. And, and that's why um, we at NICHD have, have put out this call for not only more menstruation research, but also for this idea that menstruation should be included in some of these trials and questionnaires, you know, that we should really be thinking through a lens of, of reproductive health and menstruation because it really is so important. Some patients with vaccine and period concerns carried those fears into pregnancy. The most common comment I hear is, you know, in general, we've been telling pregnant moms, don't take any unnecessary things. That's always been the mantra. So now we've changed that and we're saying you need a vaccine. That in itself causes anxiety because all along we tell moms no caffeine, no smoking, no alcohol, uh, watch your diet. You know, we, we tell, don't do anything that could cause harm. We don't uh, look at pregnancy as an underlying condition. And we should when it comes to COVID because COVID is respiratory. And during pregnancy, we, we need to let uh, women know that you your body changes and your immune system drops. Your, your respiratory abilities go down because you've you're, you got this nine-month uterus that's expanding and it causes the, the lung capacity to go down, which is a great uh, environment for COVID to grow. Right. And, and I think that's so, so often the case with any of these, you know, potential vaccine side effects is that COVID itself is much worse for, for all of these things. Um, right. So any of these fears that we have, uh, the actual condition is worse. So there is a, a true risk benefit there. But I think that women aren't able to calculate that risk benefit until we give them the data they need um, about some of these changes. But what about data on menstrual cycle disruptions and other vaccines? 
You know, we've seen changes in menstrual cycles with other vaccines, such as with the HPV vaccine, human papillomavirus vaccine. So this isn't unusual. What we're trying to understand is why. Now, the good news, and this is very, very, very important, is that women tend to regain normalization of their cycles after one or two changes, missed cycles, for example, or heavy cycles, it tends to normalize. What we're seeing with vaccination, it may be because of that interplay between the immune system and hormones, as I've talked about. One hypothesis is that when you are vaccinated, the body is put on alert, and it's a way we do it to rev up the immune system so that when you are exposed to the virus, your body is adequately able to fight the infection. But I just want to reassure people, the vaccines do not impact fertility. I know there's been a lot of miscommunication out there about it, and there has been no evidence that fertility has been impacted and that women who do have altered menstrual cycles do regain their normal cycles after one or two cycle changes. So this is a temporary issue. I don't think the average person would connect their menstrual cycle with the side effects of a vaccine. Like you would think, you know, there were the, the side effects that everyone heard about, you know, sore arm, feeling a little sick for a couple of days, but you would not extend that to, to any effects on your period. So it's easy to see how you know, changes in your period after would make someone think, oh my gosh, you know, this must have really done something bad. I've had a lot of conversations with women about the need to take a vaccine and they've raised these issues. And I think addressing them, telling them what you know or what you don't know is really helpful and reassuring them. And I think when you do that, you can minimize the resistance towards taking a vaccine when they realize how important it is to protecting their overall health and well-being. I think in this whole world right now that we're in, people want to do the right things for themselves, for their families. I don't think they're intentionally trying to cause harm to themselves or to those that they care about. I think what they want is information. But Dr. Frederick cautions patients from relying on social media for their information. I appreciate that people are reading and they're out there. Uh, but not everything on Instagram and Facebook is reality-based. So I, I like to hear what they have read or heard and then uh, preface it by what the science is. So uh, it's good that patients have questions. I think that um, just reading about something and, and deciding it's true on Instagram is probably not the best way, especially when it comes to your health. Uh, and I encourage patients, if they're reading something that uh, they have questions about, that talk to their provider. Dr. Frederick also encourages patients to track their menstrual cycle and symptoms. You're the one that can tell us the best whether something's wrong. And if you're not aware of it and it's not written down somewhere or you're not, you're not making a, you know, a, a calendar on it, then it's hard to decipher. And you'll forget that you had a lot of pain on this one part a couple months ago, and, and it came back a couple months later. You know, that, that's important data. What kinds of actual symptoms should someone be tracking when they're tracking their menstrual cycle? Track how long your cycle is. 
track how heavy the flow is, track if you're having any discomfort, track if you're having any mid-cycle bleeding. And it's not just for women during their prime reproductive years. We also want women who are menopausal and postmenopausal to think about this as well. What role does tracking, like a woman, you know, tracking her cycles from month to month in helping to like get to the bottom of what could be contributing to these changes? We've talked about how sensitive the menstrual cycle is. And I think there's there's real value in thinking of the menstrual cycle as as we call we call it a vital sign sometimes. So we take, you know, when you go to the doctor, they'll always take your blood pressure and they'll always take your weight and your height and talk, you know, talk about BMI. But they will not always ask you, are you cycling normally? Is your cycle has your cycle been different lately? Um, and the truth is, is if your menstrual cycle is going to reflect these changes in your health, then it's something that can be tracked. And the real value is you can do it at home and women can be empowered. People who menstruate can be empowered to track it themselves. It's a piece of data. It's a vital piece of data that they are empowered to to track themselves. And if you don't want to track it old school with a pen and paper, there's an app for that. There are actually hundreds of apps for that. But for women and people who have ever menstruated who want to go one step further by participating in research on periods, there's an app for that too. And it's aptly called the Research App. Once downloaded onto your iPhone, the app allows you to join the Apple Women's Health Study that Dr. Mahalingaya and the team at Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health are conducting. Their goal? To advance the understanding of menstrual cycles and their relationship to various health conditions, including infertility, menopause, and health across the lifespan. The study launched in November of 2019, just before the pandemic. It is in my mind, a public health surveillance tool for reproductive and menstrual cycle health. And it was just an opportunity to have the study launched before an unexpected event um, like the pandemic to see time trends and changes over time. People have mentioned anecdotally changes to their menstrual cycle health and impacts of the vaccine on their cycle health. And so we have highlighted this as an important um, area to study and have added questions in regards to this after kind of seeing on social media and public platforms the outcry of, of experience and, and requests for more research. It's a digital platform, so it breaks down barriers in participant access to research. So that was one of the things that um, really inspired me about the study. We did publish our first paper on the design and conduct of the study and included the demographic characteristics of the first 10,000. And the study does get closer than other studies previously to give us a look at a more um, reflective population to that within the United States. Yeah, I think that's great. I don't think that's ever been done. And if you can, because the app is so accessible, when you think about it, uh, we never really had that opportunity uh, to analyze the data quickly uh, and enroll a lot of people in order to do that. So I, I would love to see that because now, you know, I can have instant data on, you know, 10,000 women in this one study and look what happened during COVID and how you know, the stress and their lifestyle changed, their weight, you know, all the things that you'd want to keep track of can be done in this one app, which is great. I think if you make it easy for women patients 
they will do it. I, I think that uh, usually a study requires that you go into the office, you get blood draw or a test or blood pressure. You know, it's time away from you that would be hard. But when we're talking about a digital app on your iPhone, which everybody carries, I think that more women will be more likely to be responsive. And um, the hardest part is getting people to be in a study. I really anticipate that more women will want to participate. And our producer, Kat Carney, is all in. Okay, so I'm going to click Get. Double click to install. Done. Okay, so it's downloading. There's a description of it about this study, expectations and requirements, and then enroll in this study. And then you would click enroll to start the enrollment process. Okay, steps to enroll. You'll fill out your research profile. You'll sign a few forms. You'll request the data. This should take about 10 minutes. Okay. All right. I'm going to do it. Thank you. (laughs) I thought of one thing I just wanted to add and share around tracking. My firstborn child, my um, daughter, got her first period during the pandemic. And, um, you know, the kids always hear these conversations and what I do for work and research and fertility and ovulation. And so I had asked her to start tracking her periods. And so she tried to on a calendar. Like, let's download the app on your iPad, anything to track for you. And it sometimes is hard to inspire people to track. And so one of the messages that I just like to leave you with is um, it can be challenging and annoying to track, but I think it's still worthwhile to get a sense of, of your cycle. I love that. She's going to be like, Mom, <laughs> you're talking about my period in an interview. <laughs> totally. But then again, Dr. Mahalingai's daughter will probably be leading the charge of young women and people who menstruate who are doing just that, talking about periods. Thank you for listening to this episode of Health Discovered from WebMD. I'm Carrie Gann.